stay informed and up to date. It's the Daily Maverick Show, Tuesdays, 1 to 2 p.m. on cliffcentral.com. Good afternoon. You're tuned into the Daily Maverick Show on Cliff Central. As usual, I'll be your host for the next hour. My name is Kingsley Kipuri. I hear that News24 has has disabled or will be disabling their comment section, so feel free to tweet us instead <laughs> or give us a call on 0861 I'm not sure we should what? be encouraging News24 commenters to be engaging. I mean, sometimes you need some hate speech on the show, you know what I mean? Let's just insult each other's mothers and so on, right? As you can tell, I'm joined by my usual partner in crime, Greg Nicholson. Good to have you as always. Thanks for having me. Now, today we'll be discussing, you know, something quite serious, um, this disease called silicosis. Um, it's been around as long as mining and gold mining itself. Um, it's a respiratory and lung disease um, that is caused from the inhalation of silica dust, which, which comes up or is risen during gold mining. Um, so one experiences chest pain, fatigue, um, and eventually put potentially respiratory failure. And it's, it's, it's really been something that for the past decades and almost about 100 years that, that miners have been facing, even at some call referred to as sort of miners' disease informally. And we've been seeing it really affecting hundreds of thousands of people who've been involved in the sector and, and really, really putting them in tough situations where they're not able to work again. These are people largely working in, in physical labor. And if you can't breathe properly and you're not able to, to you know, physically exert yourself, you can't work anymore. And, and you can imagine the knock-on effects of that on people's families if you're the sole breadwinner as a father or as a son and so on. So it's really something, if you picture the South African economy and, the, and what mining and the number of people involved through mining, you can just imagine the knock-on effects of that on, on sort of different communities. Um, we're also joined in studio by Alan Wine, who's... Alan Fine. Fine, sorry about <laughs> that. You can tell where my, where my head is at. <laughs> Alan, you're representing some of the mining companies that are sort of involved with this, with this lawsuit that will be coming up. Um, and sort of what's, what's the climate now in the build up to this, to this, to this lawsuit? Well, Kingsley, I'm representing eight companies, okay. um, the six largest gold companies plus two other large companies that were historically involved, mm. um, in gold mining. And what these companies, they, they, they got together last year with a view to seeking out a comprehensive solution to the pro- problems Related to occupational lung disease, particularly mm. the, the the challenges related to compensation and to healthcare, and it's really a three-legged initiative, which I can um, I'll I'll speak about each leg just briefly. First of all, um, we know, and we know that the Constitutional Court has said that the compensation system for. Um, Mine workers um, suffering from silicosis is not that good, and it's a separate compensation system. There is another one. This one is um, falls under the Occupational Diseases in Mines and Works Act. There's also the Compensation for Occupational Injuries and Disease, um, COEDA. And so the first leg is that mining companies would like to see for current and future employees moved over to COIDA, which is the superior compensation system. And we've been in dialogue with the Minister and the Department of Health so far and will be with other parts of government. Okay. What is this? Is this all done? So this this, this is the first section. Okay. The the second leg Mm -hmm. is 
everybody knows that, in, including the current uh, management, that the Odimwes compensation system currently covering um, mine workers with occupational lung disease is operating um, administratively not not very not very well, and the companies are working with the compensation commissioner and the ministry and department of health with a view to improving um, the administration of that fund to ensure that workers who are eligible for compensation get their compensation sooner. The third leg um, relates to the uh, litigation you talk about, and the companies have been mm. engaged with the um, claimant's lawyers um, with a view to, from from the company's perspective, establishing a legacy fund that will um, pay kind of top-up com- top compensation to um, past mine, mine workers um, who are eligible for compensation. Alan, oh, sorry, Alan, can you just, uh, for our listeners, just tell us which mining companies you're representing here so we have an idea of, of what we're talking about? Okay. Um, we're talking in more or less alphabetical order. <laughs> um, African Rainbow Minerals, Anglo-American South Africa, um, Anglo-Gold Ashanti, um, Harmony, Goldfields, Sibanya Gold, DRD Gold, and Village Main Reef. Okay, perfect. Um, so you mentioned some of the compensation conversations that are happening in the three legs, but from your understanding and your conversations with the with the with the organisation that you represent, is this coming from the standpoint that there is a liability on the mining companies in terms of the miners being put in situations to be exposed to this? No, there there, there isn't that um, um, view from okay. the mining from the mining companies. Okay. Um, if the litigation were to proceed. The, the the mining companies would uh, defend their cases, but okay. I think both for the companies and for the claimants' lawyers, it might be said. But well, look, I obviously can't talk on on their behalf. Mm. But we're talking about litigation that will be incredibly expensive to fund for, on both sides, and it it could con it, it could conceivably drag on for another ten, fifteen, twenty years, and that's not going to be helpful for either the companies or for the claimants. Okay, I mean, now you're talking about, which I didn't actually introduce fully, the class action lawsuit that's coming up, where about 20,000, 25,000 uh, miners and former miners are sort of collectively as a body saying, you know, that the, the, the mining companies need to collectively compensate them for what's happened. Um, we will soon... Okay, perfect. We'll be going through to Georgina Jefferson, um, who's an attorney from, from Richard Spohr, um, and she's sort of part of the organization that's going forward with the class action that we've just mentioned. Uh, Georgina, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Hi. Okay, perfect. Um, could you tell us a bit about the, could you tell us a bit about the, the class action and, and how it's come together? How did you identify the people to represent? Basically, how do we get to where we are now? Um, yeah, so, um, what happened was in March 2011, the Constitutional Court handed down a judgment um, which basically said that gold, gold mine workers or all mine workers have a right um, to sue for damages um, if they have an occupational lung disease caused as a result of working underground. Mm. And they are entitled to sue those 
sue for damages, and that is in addition to what they are entitled to get from the statutory compensation scheme. So basically, with, with that judgment, it, it was called Mankai versus Anglo Gold Ashanti. When that judgment was handed down, it basically gave rise to this right that all former gold miners with silicosis have to sue for damages. Mm-hmm. So um, what we then did was we took steps to go out and find clients and identify class representatives um, in order to bring this, um, this bring the class action, which is starting with the certification proceedings. Georgina, can you tell us a little bit about that process of identifying clients for this class action? How did you how did you come to? I think you've got is it twenty five thousand um, um, clients, clients that you're representing. How do you get twenty five twenty five thousand clients? And how did how did this sort of come about? We um, we focused on the former labour recruitment areas um, that the mining industry targeted. Hmm. So the, the mining companies recruited from certain areas, primarily um, Lesotho and the Eastern Cape, which is the old Transkei, and various other areas in Southern Africa. So we what we what we did was we went and we set up an office in the Eastern Cape, which then. Um, went out to find mine workers who are potentially um, claimants or beneficiaries in the class action. And then in Lesotho, we paired up with a, an organization called the Mine Workers Development Agency. And they assisted us in, um, in, in going out and traveling throughout Lesotho to find former mine workers who may be interested in being part of the case. Um, jo- then- Sorry, please go ahead. No, sorry. We then we have also subsequently set up a small operation, a small office in Belcom as well, because there's obviously quite a few ex-mine workers around there, and in Botswana, because the mining companies recruited in Botswana as well. Um, Georgina, we've just heard from from Alan Fine, who represents some of the mining companies, and he mentioned the idea that this could really drag on for for a really long time. Mentioned ten, fifteen years plus of dragging on with this litigation, which could take, which could potentially be in the end detrimental to the mining miners and former miners and their families with, with the legal proceedings for, you know, a decade potentially. What do you what do you think of that? Well, look, our view is that the class action is the most appropriate mechanism to resolve this issue. It's hmm. obviously a legacy issue that the mining industry needs to that needs to be addressed. And in our view, um, the class action is an appropriate mechanism because um, it allows for all all people who are affected, or all former gold miners with silicosis, mm. to become part of the class. And to um, where if, it, if if a judgment is handed down, everyone will be bound by that judgment. So it's sort of a it's it's a, it's a mechanism whereby you can include many people with similar claims yeah. in one case per se. The alternative um, to that is issuing thousands and thousands of individual actions. And in our view, that is it, it, that is going to take longer, just as long, if not longer, than mm. than a class than a class action litigation. But not only that, it's it that takes serious time and serious serious money to be litigating through the courts like that, um, you know, on an individual basis. So I, 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 yeah, obviously we are aware that that's the industry's argument yeah. against the class action is that it it will take lots of time to resolve, but. In our view, it's the most appropriate way of resolving this issue. So, Georgina, where is the class action at right now? Because you have a big court case, uh, a court hearing coming up ahead next month. Can you just give us a bit of an indication as to where we're at now and what's up ahead? Yes. So, 
Um, in terms of our law, which our law of transactions, which is very new and in very, very early stages of development, we are required to bring what is called an application for class certification. So we have to apply to court and essentially ask the court to allow us to proceed on behalf of the class. So that is the first stage of a litigation which we are engaged with now. Um, and we have a hearing in that application for class certification uh, in October, a little bit later this year. That is that is where we are with the litigation. Mm-hmm. And what do you actually want for your clients? What are you looking for? We are looking for... We essentially would like to achieve justice in the form of damages for all the thousands of miners out there who have silicosis and who've been injured by through their work underground on a gold mine. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I think it would everyone would like to sort of avoid this thing being drawn out um, over you know over decades potentially. Have there been engagements from from these mining companies in terms of avoiding that situation? What's the attitude from the mining companies going into this? Um, the mining companies, well, as, as I think Alan Fine has made it quite clear, they they're opposed to the class action um, mechanism. To the, well, they're opposing the litigation. Um, but what has happened is that the industry did set up. Uh, I think they were, they were made, released some press releases towards the end of last year. They've approached uh, a mediator, an independent mediator, who they've appointed to essentially engage with us and liaise with us on the on the case and on on and just to discuss the issues. Um, and we so we have we have. To that extent, we have been in engagements in um, discussions with the mining industry, but nothing more than that. At this stage, we're continuing with the litigation and we're planning for the hearing to go ahead in October. Mm-hmm. Let's look forward. In, in, in terms of justice, what you want, justice and compensation for your clients, what could that mean if you win your case in terms of a monetary figure? Uh, look, that's that's virtually impossible to say. We Damages are a very subjective calculation. You know, two people might suffer from the same disease mm-hmm. but have very different damages. So it's, we, it's very difficult to put it together. We also don't know the extent of the class. We don't know how many miners, how many people out there who are who may fall within the class. So I'm afraid I, we can't, I can't give you a monetary figure at all. And what 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 about in terms of the impact, perhaps on litigation in the country, and on and on perhaps the relationship between mining companies and their employees going forward? Could you speculate any on the potential this case has to change that dynamic? Sorry, can you just say that again? What would you like? No, no problem. You mentioned before that this is a this is a legacy issue, right? So it's 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 about the relationship between the the miners and the and the mining companies over you know past hundred years or so. So how do you think this case could, could perhaps change that relationship between those two or change litigation in the country and perhaps set precedent for future issues like this? I think the the case is an important step towards, as you say, addressing this this legacy that that, that the mining industry that has been caused by the gold mining industry. And the litigation will go a long way towards addressing that, obviously, and that's 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 exactly what we're hoping to do. The the other possible outcomes of the litigation will be to encourage companies to ensure that 
um, that to ensure safe and healthy underground working conditions. Mm. That's ultimately, you know, silicosis is a preventable disease, and if dust levels are controlled, we won't, we wouldn't, we, you don't see silicosis. Obviously, we hope that with um, in establishing corporate company li- liability for these diseases, we will encourage companies going forward to ensure that they are safe and healthy working conditions underground. The other alternative will be to look at the current compensation scheme governed by the Occupational Diseases and Mines and Works Act with a, a view to reforming that scheme to provide for more adequate and better compensation for mine workers who mm. develop occupational lung diseases. Okay, Georgina, thanks for framing that for us. Um, we'll definitely continue to watch the case as it plays out. Thank you. Okay, sir. Thank you for having me. Okay, Goodbye. Um, Alan, I saw you at some point shaking your head while, while Georgina was talking. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I think she mentioned something right at the end. She said this is a preventable, it's a preventable disease. And I think a lot of my response and what a lot of people's response is, if we're talking things that were being discussed in 1902, 1903, and it's 2015, why is this still something that people are exposed to? Look, this, this is something that concerns the companies um, as well. Um, and the companies have been working very hard to improve the quality of dust management over many decades. You know, one, one of the things about the disease of silicosis mm. is that it is something that takes quite a long time before it manifests itself mm. and can and can be diagnosed at the moment um, on average, it is taking twenty years of exposure for a mine worker for for mine workers who are ultimately diagnosed with um, the disease to um, for that disease to to manifest itself twenty years of of working and un- un- underground previous to this it took less time and the expanding time it's taking to um, become manifest in an individual's lungs um, is itself um, an indication of improved um, management, dust management underground by the mining companies. So what we're seeing now in effect are the effects of improvements that happened 20 years ago. In, in 2004, in the Mine Health and Safety Council, which is a tripartite um, body, government, organized labor, and the industry, certain um, targets and milestones were set in a whole lot of areas related to health and safety, including very specific targets um, related to um, silica dust underground. Um, at the Mine Health and Safety Summit um, last November, at which I think I saw you, Greg, mm-hmm. um, the um, Chief Inspector of Mine put out data which showed that those targets had very, very uh, nearly been met overall, and the, targ- the milestones or the targets given new um, knowledge internationally um, on these matters were um, strengthened um, very very substantially, and these the a milestone has been set for 
the year 2024 for for these to be met. Mm-hmm. What the 2004 uh, milestone said was, for well, it implied that a company or a, a worker who worked under conditions um, um, which were set as the as as the target. What what it said is that no worker who had been unexposed prior to 2008 should be diagnosed with silicosis. Um, to the best of our knowledge, no such worker has been um, diagnosed, although you know, we, we need to be the first to say that it's actually too early to say that that milestone has been reached mm-hmm. because, as I said right at the beginning, it takes an average 20 years of exposure um, to um, for the disease to, to um, become diagnosable. Mm-hmm. So there, there have been very, very substantial improvements in dust management over the decades. So with the, the recent strides that you're talking about, you know, the last 10, 15 years, why is it that those advances weren't made, you know? So, so if we're looking at the class action now that, uh, that Richard Spohr's putting together, they've mm. got claims dating back to 1965. Why didn't we see efforts put in much earlier to protect workers' health? Is this a case of, you know, your large mining companies, uh, making huge profits and exploiting their workers? I think, I think, um, efforts were made throughout um, these these periods and and these decades it's the fact that um, knowledge scientific knowledge technical knowledge uh, medical knowledge improves as 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 time goes on mm-hmm. I, mean, I hear you um, but I'm <laughs> I think it's just so hard to and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this perhaps it's a bit tricky because you you know you're representing but when you have just such a lopsided relationship, right? So you have these, you have these miners and former miners who are from really impoverished areas, some areas with unemployment, you know, we're talking 70, 80% unemployment, have no choice but to do whatever work they are, you know, that is available, which is often mining, and then get sick, unable to provide for their families. And then we have an, an industry that says, don't worry, we've been self-policing. We were just waiting for science to catch up. We promise that we're, we're looking into it. And you wonder, is there any real incentive, aside from now that there perhaps might be monetary incentive, is any real incentive to actually protect the workers? Look, um, South Africa, as we know, comes from a very troubled and sad history yeah. um, in all sorts of ways. Um, um, a history of racial discrimination mm. um, and many other um, issues that that, that accompanied that. Um, the mining industry was part of that history. Um, I think you might agree that much of the political discourse that has happened in South Africa over the last 20 years and more has been precisely about how to remedy as far as possible um, the disadvantage mm. that so many people, the vast majority of the population suffered um, as, a, as, a, as a consequence of, of, of our history. Um, we also need to worry about the future. Um, certainly workers who have suffered injury, 
and disease in mining and and elsewhere are entitled to uh, fair compensation and we're hoping that the engagements that we're having with the claimants lawyers are going to lead to, to a situation where a fair outcome is is reached um, but it also from the company's perspective and I think from the perspective of many if not most South African citizens it needs to be a settlement that will ensure the sustainability of the industry um, which as you know at the moment is also going through fairly trying times with um, commodity prices and mm. so on. So it is a very difficult and delicate balance. There are issues related to um, uh, public health care facilities in the so-called labour sending areas from which many of these workers have been recruited. This is something that which on, on which we will too, no doubt, be talking to um, a number of stakeholders about as part of this process that the companies initiated last year. Okay. If you're just joining us, this is the Daily Maverick Sean Cliff Central. We're just going to go into a quick break and we'll be right back. Stay informed and up to date. It's the Daily Maverick Show, Tuesdays, 1 to 2 p.m. on cliffcentral.com. Good afternoon. You're back with us on the Daily Maverick Show on Cliff Central. Um, today we're discussing what was formerly known as miners' disease, silicosis. That, that's, that's really inflicted a lot of mine workers and former mine workers, especially in gold mining. And we're just talking about a class action suit that's coming up and, and, and all the little pieces of it. What, what is the, what are the side of the, of the mine workers and former mine workers? Do the mining companies owe them compensation for, for the disease they're suffering and to the loss of sort of income to them and their families? I'm joined in studio by Greg Nicholson and by Alan Fine, who's representing some of the, sort of the mining companies. We'll be going through to John Stevens, an attorney at Section 27, who's representing the TAC and Sonke Gender Justice. Um, John, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you okay, hear me? Okay, fantastic. Yes, perfectly. <laughs> okay, perfect. John, I think the big question that I first had when sort of reading about your your involvement in this is, this seems to be a case between the former miners and miners in the mining company. So where does Section 27, TAC, Sonke Gender Justice, where do they fit into all this? The case is between former mine workers and the mining company, but the case affects um, almost everybody who lives in South Africa. If you look at the nature of the mining industry, you know, in their uh, in their prime, they employed about half a million people at a time. So you go back to communities in you know the OR Tambo district, the former Transkei, um, and you see that what the mining industries, the way they've conducted themselves. Mm. Uh, devastated entire communities. Um, so TAC, for example, works on behalf of people with tuberculosis. Sonke Gender Justice works uh, on behalf of uh, equality for women. Um, and um, both of them work generally on behalf of vulnerable people. And so their interests are twofold. One, in the substance of the case, because it affects women and it affects people with tuberculosis and mm. lung disease and it affects the right of access to health care services. Mm. And then second, and the class action mechanism, generally. Because the class action mechanism is a very powerful legal tool by which vulnerable people who otherwise don't have access to courts can unite and come together and by doing so take on big, powerful bodies or big, powerful corporations. And that's what's happening in this case. So TAC and Saga have an interest in developing that mm -hmm. mechanism as they work on behalf of people who will need it. 
Okay, and could you just explain to us this idea of being a, f- a friend of the court? What what exactly does that mean? I think we're used to someone accusing somebody of something, <laughs> and one person must defend themselves. So, what is this idea of the of a friend of the court? Right. So the Latin for it is amicus curiae, or the plural is amici curiae, and um, it's an old development in common law uh, across the world. And the idea is that you come into a case, and you're not a party. Um, um, but you assist the court to reach a just outcome. And you do so by um, bringing in the broader public interest, by putting before them novel legal arguments mm. or novel evidence that would otherwise not be before a court. So you're kind of, you're there at the discretion of the court, mm. and you're there to help the court reach a just outcome. And John, what sort of influence do you think... Um Tack and Sonke joining these cases, friends of the court, will have on both the certification coming up and the class action if it proceeds. Um, what kind of impact will their mm-hmm. interview have? Well, I think it's I think it's very important. I think actually the legal argument they intend to introduce stands to significantly change uh, the playing field. It it, it moves the goalpost um, and it, it, it shifts the debate in its focus. And, and I'll explain why. Mm. Um, in Section 38C of the Constitution, there is entrenched the right to approach a court as a representative or member of a class. Um, so basically you have a right to approach a court as a, in a class action through this mechanism. Uh, South Africa's Constitution is one of the only in the world that has specifically entrenched this mechanism into, their, into the legal framework. Um, the applicants have, and I think rightfully so, approached the court and said, hey, um, hey, court, please certify us as a class. Mm. We are the same enough to where we should be allowed to go forward as a, as a class. Now, we're arguing that actually they did that, and we think that's right, but they needn't have done that because they have a constitutional right to proceed directly in terms of that provision of the Constitution, Section 38C, to go directly without asking for certification. So... Um, if the court agrees with us on that, um, it changes how the court should think about um, how to analyze and deal with their request that they be certified as a class. Okay. So basically what you're saying is there is a potential that this class action may be able to bypass the certification process and just proceed. Close. Uh, pretty close. <laughs> there's... Um, so they have asked for a period that goes from 1965 to today. Okay. So that period precedes our Constitution. Um, and then they've also named a number of things that Mining Issue has done wrong, right? And those things are violate the Constitution, their constitutional obligations and rights, violate statutory obligations and rights, and violate common law uh, obligations and rights. So um, the part that could go forward with out requesting certification is the is the part based on the Constitution and likely post-94 or 96 when the Constitution came in. So, but if there's that piece of this class action that can go forward without certification, then we're arguing that should affect how the court thinks about the rest. I hope that makes sense. Okay. Now, John, it was um, um, in your application to become friends of the court, uh, the evidence from, I think it was the head of Sonke Gender Justice, um, was, will be allowed to be, it was judged that it will be allowed to be admitted um, in the certification process. Can you just tell us a little, little bit about what that evidence entails? Yeah, um, so Dean Peacock is the executive director of Sonke, and um, Sonke is 
one of the amici in this. Um, and basically what he's, he's looking at is the way in which the conduct of um, the gold mining industry or the impact that uh, occupational lung diseases have on women. So normally it's men that go to the mines. Mm. And, um, you know, they, and traditionally they would go, go to the mines and then send money home to support their families. Um, and then, uh, as I think was discussed earlier, so many of them came back sick. And they weren't taken care of, especially black mine workers, um, obviously. And uh, instead of either the state or the industry taking care of them, as they were supposed to, um, you can guess who took care of them. It was the women and their families. Um, and in order to provide this care, mm. in, um, you know, and silicosis is not curable, so you're watching somebody die a very slow and painful death. Um, and so they would give up educational opportunities, um, professional opportunities, time for self-care, and so on and so forth. And so what this has done is it has entrenched a cycle of inequality and poverty in these um, areas from which um, the mines recruited their labor. So there's a, an issue as to what is just for the surviving women um, who have lost their spouses to uh, occupational lung disease. Mm-hmm. Now, John, in, us, in the studio with us is Alan Fine, um, as you know, who represents um, publicly a number of the gold companies involved in this case, and he's been... He, he was talking about the need for improving the comp- compensation schemes that are available, as well as the possibility of establishing a legacy fund to to help some of the mine workers with silicosis. Are those an option? Could we avoid sort of this lengthy court battle? Um, you bet. You know, the parties may well reach a settlement, um, and that might that might address some of those issues, but it won't address the need to improve or change or do away with and come up with something completely different than Odima, because this case can um, address what's happened in the past, so there's a legacy. But right now, Odima is is so poor that it's just, it's just entirely unjust. So, and, and, and there's two ways in which it's so, and I think Alan said so earlier, but um, substantively, Odima is lousy. And that's that's what the Constitutional Court said in the Mankaya case. Um, it, you get way less money if you are the surviving family. You get no money in most circumstances. Um, COITA, the legislation under which almost everybody else in South Africa uh, would claim under, provides money for the family in terms and funeral cover, uh, a pension, so forth. Odima gives you none of that. Mm-hmm. And, and the lump sum Odima pays out to you is very is much much lower. And then administratively, nobody gets their money anyway under Odima. Mm-hmm. Best thing we have show about 1.5 to 2.5 percent of people who are certified as eligible mm-hmm. compensation under Odima are accessing that compensation. Mm-hmm. So, so the people who are certified as eligible, those are the ones we know, um, and much less the ones we don't even know who are who are eligible. Now, John Allen's in the studio, and he was sort of nodding as he spoke. Alan, you want to jump in? Yeah, well, we, we, we touched on this a little earlier in, in, in the show where I said that, um, as one of the three legs of the, um, uh, activities that these eight companies, um, are engaged in, um, one, their, their preference would be for current and future workers to, in fact, be, um, Shifted over and covered to and covered by uh, the COIDA compensation system. So I think 
on this matter, uh, John and I are in, a, on in, in agreement. And also, as you, you know, this, the second leg we spoke about earlier was um, to do with the administrative shortcomings of the Odumwa compensation scheme, which is something we are working with uh, the compensation commissioner to try and fix because shifting to COIDA can really only assist um, current and future employees. We do need to see to the compensation entitlements of of the um, past employees. Mm-hmm. John, so you guys agree on something at least. That's right. <laughs> now, John, just want to uh, touch into something before we let you go. You said this case that could could affect the whole of South Africa. I just want you to expand on that a little bit because it seems, you know, you're looking at a case against mine workers and a case against big mining companies. How does it affect the whole country? Well, okay, part of it has to do with just the scope of the gold mining industry in South Africa. As I said, at its height uh, in the 80s, it employed half a million people. You know, that's been going down, but... Um, but this is this is an industry that has you know defined the and 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 just been a major player in the South African economy. Um, second, this can change. So you know this class action lawsuits developed in this context. You know post-industrial, very very large corporations. They employ hundreds or thousands upon thousands of employees, and, and for lack of a better word, mostly low-level employees. Mm. This is the new dynamic. You know corporations have a lot of power. And these, for lack of a better word, low-level employees, uh, of whom there are thousands, have very little power. And this is what the class action mechanism developed to uh, address. It said, we are going to address this disconnect between the power of employees and employers. So that's one thing this this case could do, is it could set a precedent through which um, other, you know, people who are powerless or perceive themselves to be powerless could uh, unite together to take on power and address the wrongs that were done to them by powerful individuals. Um, so there's a, and it can do that within the gold mining industry, but it could also do that to uh, other industries. So I think there's a lot of promise here. And I hear you, John, and I, I think we're all really hoping for that sort of that justice you've mentioned. So we'll really just continue to watch the case as it evolves. John? Yep. Uh, just before we let you go, I just want to ask one more thing. Sorry. I just want to jump in. John, is it a concern from the claimant side or, you know, you know, those on the side of the class action and the, and, and the parties who have been allowed to join the friends of the court? The, the struggles the gold, um, mining industry is facing at the moment. Is that something that's being talked about? Oh, you know, these guys are, uh, facing difficult, um, difficult challenges, you know, production's gone down, the number of employees they, uh, em- employ has gone down. Do you guys talk about that or is it, is it sort of like we must find justice? Um, and, and that's for the gold mining companies to sort out their own side of issue, the issue. Um, there's a few different things I want to say about that. Uh, I want to one first warn against, um, missing who the victim is here. The victim is not the industry. The victim is the hundreds of thousands of people who the, whom, whom the industry caused to have deadly lung diseases when they knew it was going to happen. Happen. This industry knew about these diseases uh, since the early 1900s. And they employed people who didn't know about it. And they, and, and they let them get these diseases and die. Now, so I don't want to lose sight of who's the victim here. But um, there is a concern you know, the gold mining industry is an important player in the economy of South Africa. And if you ask the man in the Bode 
whether he wants the mines to shut down, he's going to say no because he wants a job. So that's the concern there. But, you know, if we look back to um, sort of the Americana debate, sort of the uh, debate that arose after that, and you saw the mining companies saying there's no way we can afford these to meet these demands of these uh, minimum wages. There's no way it would shut us down. And then all that turned out not to be true, and there was excellent um, research done that showed that actually the, the mining companies could easily afford it. So the second part of my answer is I would be wary about their claims about, uh, you know, their, their doomsday about we're going to go out of business and we can't possibly afford this uh, and so forth. Um, you know, I don't have the answers there. There's some research that needs to be done, mm-hmm. but we have tested in the past to show that it's been a little tricky there. And then the third thing I want to say in response to this is, you know, this is a very important economic um, player. But if we can't do it ethically, if we can't do it safely, if we can't do it in a way that enriches everyone uh, instead of a very few, then it's not worth doing. If it only enriches a small handful of people while it um, puts uh, a great, great number of them in their graves and leaves their families without fathers and husbands, then it's not worth doing. So unless we can do it in a way that's fair and that enriches everyone, then uh, I'm not too concerned. There's nothing really more to add, John. Thank you so much for making time for us. All right, thank you. Okay, perfect. Alan, I'm curious to hear your response to that. On the the last point that John makes, I think um, every CEO in the in the mining industry would um, agree. I can't talk on behalf of all of them, of course, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I I think in 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 this era, one. And it perhaps wasn't always within the thinking of um, their their ancestors um, and all of their predecessors. But um, all 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 mining executives today would say, yes, we 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 need to um, be able to do our work. We need to be able to. Produce a reasonable return for our shareholders; otherwise, they wouldn't wish to be shareholders. Um, and we have, um, as a matter of principle, to be able to do that without, um, in in a manner that every every mine worker returns home every day uninjured and and healthy. And the and the idea that the claims that the the affordability is could really put the 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 industry or perhaps the people you represent out of business, the idea that that's exaggerated? and Well, um, this this is something that if, if the litigation proceeds, no doubt the courts will have to think about, but yeah. if engagements between the companies and um, the um, claimant's lawyers were to um, proceed and bear fruit, um, how one reaches the balance between um, a fair settlement for the um, claimants and the future sustainability of the industry, that is a balance that is going to have to be struck um, as as part of looking for a solution to the challenges um, that, that, that face all of us um, and hopefully everybody is going to be up to that. Mm. Alan, it seems that most of the parties involved from the company's side to the workers' side would, or the former workers' side, would like a a compensation settlement to avoid a long, drawn-out, protracted legal battle and especially 
been a situation where some of these um, claimants or, or some of the people in the class action might actually be, be passing away before they can even see the fruits of, of, of their legal action. But what is it that's holding up further discussions and any, any sort of firm, concrete talks on, on, on a compensation settlement? Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure of your definition of firm concrete talks, but um, there, as, uh, as I've said, there are talks going on. Naturally, neither I nor the claimant's lawyers can go into detail, but there are very complicated issues at stake, um, and um, these need to be sorted out. Um, from our side, we intend to make every effort, and I trust... Um, the same will apply to um, the claimant's lawyers. If you're just tuning in, this is the Daily Mavic Show on Cliff Central. We're talking about silicosis, a disease that's really been plaguing the mining industry for, for decades and decades. We'll just be going through to Anele Yawa, the General Secretary of the Treatment Action Campaign. Anele, can you hear us? Hello, my brother. Perfect. Good, good, good. It's good to have you back. Yes. Fantastic. Now, Anele, we've been talking for the past, you know, just under an hour around this issue around silicosis and compensation. And I think one voice that perhaps has not been represented too too much is the mine workers themselves. And I'm curious if, if you and your team have spoken to some of the mine workers and their families and, and, and what are they saying about this situation? Okay, firstly, uh, in Eastern Cape, mm-hmm. uh, TAC and Songe around the OR Street are engaging with ex-mine workers and, and as well as their families and, 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 and some of the beneficiaries of those who passed away. That's why uh, uh, when we had uh, uh, the hearing uh, about two weeks ago, uh, some of the TNC and Song members, uh, as much as the rest was gathering at, at, at the court, the majority of the Eastern Cape and, and uh, uh, TAC and Songa guys with families and some ex-mine workers were picketing at their offices at Idunga and at, at, at Amtad. And the feeling is, 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 is that justice must be served. I mean, I hear you, Anele, but uh, I mean, something that's been raised by some of these other uh, guests we've had on is that Perhaps this justice may compromise the ability of the mining companies to keep doing business and keep providing jobs. Do you think that's a concern of some of the former mine workers and families that their their compensation might, you know, compromise ability of them and their? Uh, uh, yeah. uh, I I I don't want I I don't want to 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 tell lies. One as 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 Keith and Songe, mm-hmm. we uh, we we have engaged with some of the unions. Mm. Like, like, like your num, like your numsa, your amko, and and within no time, we are we are planning to have physical meetings with these unions uh, before the 12th of October mm-hmm. because we strongly we, we strongly feel and believe that uh, it is very much important for these unions to take a leadership because most of uh, these victims or these ex mine workers mm-hmm. were members or were members of these unions. You know, so it is very much important that when, 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 when you go to court uh, to hear whether are we going to be admitted as, as I mean, whether are we going to be certified uh, to as, as 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 a class case, we need to we need to see the, the the faces of the union, which 
used to represent these uh, uh, workers. That's why it is important for us to make sure that when we go to court on this campaign, we need to put the face of the ex-mine workers who are suffering from the civil courts. So on the side of the mining companies, mm. you know, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I am not a politician, but most of the times what you will hear in South Africa is that if you comment about what is happening in USA or somewhere else, people will tell you that the value of the land will, will, will drop because of this and that, and, and, and you will chase away the investors because of this and that, which, in my view, that is, that is a wrong analysis because most of the times we as the people of South Africa, we as the poor people, we don't necessarily think about our own needs and, and, and the rights. We think about the rights and the needs of the capitalists on the expense of the poor and the marginalized community. So, so to say so, one has to ask a question. Which one is better uh, uh, between the mining companies and the victims who are suffering from silicosis, who are suffering from TB, and who died of silicosis because of what has been done by these mining companies? So which, which one must be taken forward? Which one must be, must be left behind? Because at the end of the day, here we are not merely talking about any other thing more than the constitutional rights of the ex-mine workers, uh, which was which was grossly violated by these mining companies simply because their interest is only on capital. It is not in the best interest of the constitutional rights, health rights of these mine workers. So for us, uh, 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 it, it will be difficult to be to put ourselves into the shoes of the mining companies. But at the end of the day. These mining companies, they have been operating in our country for more than five decades. And by this time, they, they should have invested a lot of money. So they have to, at some point, uh, 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 compensate uh, uh, these victims of these courses and take responsibility. We, there is no way that we can leave these mining companies to run away with murder. There is no way we can leave these mining companies uh, to continuously create or cause a burden on the health, on the public health system of our country. Because at some point, a, a truth must be told that when these mining, uh, uh, when these mine workers acquired these courses, these mining companies are running away with murder. They, I hear you, Anele. Anele, sorry. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have. We'll make sure to have you in studio properly next time. I'm sorry to cut you off. No problem. Okay, perfect. Fantastic. Alan, your response in 30 seconds. Well, um, to respond to the one point he made, um, certainly um, the trade unions, organized labor, the representatives certainly of today's mine workers um, are critical stakeholders in the process we are involved in, and we are talking to them too, along with um, the lawyers and, um, and government. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Greg and Alan, thank you for joining me in studio. Please, please, please download the podcast, share it far and wide. You know where to find us every week, Tuesdays, 1 to 2 p.m., The Daily Maverick Show on Cliff Central. Informed and up to date. It's The Daily Maverick Show, Tuesdays, 1 to 2 p.m., on cliffcentral.com.